25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey! Power 2, off and running. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service. That is Farm Bureau. And the show stays connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in the great state of Mississippi. Justin, not Justin, not like Timberlake. No, two words. Just in. This just in. Breaking news. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> ESPN says that this year's draft was the most watched and most attended draft in NFL history. 6.1 million people turned on uh, their television or looked online. One or the other. 600,000 fans attended it in Nashville in total. All NFL draft telecasts combined to reach more than 47.5 million television viewers over the three-day event. It's up 5% from last year. So I will not ask you if you watched the draft I will just assume that you did. <laughs> it looks like to me, if you're a sports fan, you probably flipped it over there at some point. 600,000 people. What would you think about all of it? Is it good television? Is it entertainment? Really? I mean, tell me what you think. You can let me know a couple different ways. You could um, tweet me at Radio Wyatt. Excuse me. Or... You could text the show at 885-ESPN. In about three minutes, we're going to talk with Parrish Alford. Parrish covers Ole Miss normally for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. But he covered everybody in the draft in Nashville on Thursday, which would have been round one. I didn't get to catch up with him on Friday because he was busy driving back to hustle back and get back to Oxford for baseball coverage. Which he did make it there, I believe, for them. So we're going to talk with him about what it was actually like. 600,000 people over the three or four days uh, visiting Nashville. Nashville, I mean, it's always been a cool place. I don't know that it's always, um, I don't know that it's always been looked at as necessarily like modern, you know, but it is now. Nashville is like souped up and, and it's big time. You got MLS soccer going to Nashville. 
What will be next in Nashville? Baseball? They ever have a pro baseball team there? Possibly. So anyway, we'll talk with Paris coming up. I do want to get to this text, though. You know, I told you the story um, about my mother last week. We really had a health scare. Found out about, um, you know, being diabetic the hard way. It sneaks up on you, and it can become dangerous, and you have to manage it. And thank goodness for an emergency room visit that headed the whole thing off. But it was it, it was pretty rough there for a while. Um, Darren texted the show from Jackson. You want to text, you can, 885-ESPN, and says, Matt, I'm so glad that your mother's doing better. That was a very close call. Darren says, I lost my mother. March the 24th. I miss her every day. I hope your bond with her is as strong as mine was with my mother. Please tell her I said to fight strong and fight long from Darren. Darren, I appreciate it very, very much. And so sorry for your loss. My goodness, March 24th. So you are, what are you, I guess about a month now without, without your mom? You know, and... Never gone through the losing a parent. I had a close friend who on Facebook, he lost his mom two days ago, you know, and I just can't imagine what you, what it is that you go through. But, yeah, you hang in there. And if listening to a little sports radio here for an hour or two a day can can get your mind off things, Darren, I am happy, happy to be here for you. Pitch in. It's about all I can do. But uh, appreciate you listening. Yeah, it was scary. You know, because, you know, my mother's really always has been. Like, she's so independent, lives by herself, so independent, strong, uh, drive all over creation, handle all kinds of stuff. She's the kind who, you know, I'll call her up. And she's liable to say, yeah, I just decided I didn't like the paint in here, so I hauled everything out in the yard and repainted the house. <laughs> really? She wants something painted, she paints it. She wants something moved, she moves it. I have it several times. I call her up and say, looking forward to seeing you at Christmas. Well, I'll be in a different house. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, I'm selling this one. I'm moving over there. I like that other house over there better. That's kind of, you know, very independent. So it was really tough to see her in a position where she was kind of helpless and on the brink, but so thankful for prayers. And, you know, honestly, with where she was, it's just um, – Again, evidence to me that God has a plan for you, and he, he's he got a plan for her. And it was not her time to go. All right, let's talk about uh, that crazy NFL draft experience. The most watched, the most attended, 600,000 people up there in Nash, Vegas. With Parrish Alford, who covered it for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, he went up there. I want to know what it was like. Parrish on your radio right now. Hey, Parrish. A good Monday to you. Matt. How was the how was Nashville? Crowded. Elbow to elbow, man. You know, they uh they were projecting three hundred thousand before the draft, projecting uh, that many would attend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw uh, a report from Mike Organ of the Tennessean that the NFL had uh, has said that five hundred thousand attended, not three hundred thousand, but five hundred thousand, half a million. Yeah, uh, attended the draft according to the NFL's estimates. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I look at that. 
And I just, uh, you know, where, where did all this interest in the draft come from, Matt? You know, I, I you know, you can see, the, you would see the Raiders fans dress up through the years, and, and then the other teams follow suit, and fans turn out, and, you know, wherever the draft has been, uh, usually at an indoor venue, as it was uh, in 2016 when I covered in Chicago. But I think when you take the draft and the interest that's already there, and you put it outside, and you just, you know, in the face of weather, you just don't care about the weather, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you start uh, promoting it with free concerts from country music stars. Yeah, you can get a lot of people to come. No doubt. Yeah, the number I saw, they may have rounded it up, but someone named Jess Golden from CNBC tweeted out that it was six hundred thousand fans that attended, and six point one million tuned in at some point on television or online. Um, was it – so all those people there crowded, was it a wild crowd? Was it like pregame of a football game-esque, Parrish? I didn't get that. I'm sure that when you get that many people together that uh, that, that element is there somewhere. But uh, I didn't experience a lot of that, Matt, because, you know, when something is that big – that large and you have work to do Mm. you really just try to find your small space in it and and hunker down and uh, and that's what happened with uh, john luke mccord and i who were there covering um you know we got into the media workroom and kind of got our space set up and honestly uh you know i i walked out a little bit and looked at the stage and and that sort of thing but uh it, it wasn't like you had the ability to to go out and, and really take your laptop with you and kind of work out there, mm. and uh, and then the rain came, you know. So uh, you know the media room was where you wanted to be, and that's where most of the coverage of the draft was done. Okay, you know they uh, set up all kinds of uh, tents and temporary work areas and things like that, and uh, you know so it was uh, it was pretty stable and it kept you dry, and they had. Uh, you know, big screens, uh, several set up around you, and, and that's that's where most of it got done. Parrish offered on your radio. He covered the NFL draft last week in Nashville. So, from a media perspective, Parrish, are you are you as a writer? Are you in an area where, as soon as a guy is drafted, and let's say he goes up on stage and he's a number one pick? they immediately walk him off to an area where y'all can interview him? Is that how that worked? Well, uh, in theory, that's how it works. There are so many so many stops that uh, that a guy has to make right after he's been drafted. And, uh, you know, one of those is the interview room. But, Matt, they were very slow uh, getting players to the interview room. I mean, uh, the draft started at 7 o'clock, and it was – it was about 8.30 before they announced that Tyler Murray, the first pick, was, was being taken to the interview room. And, uh, you know, so as it turned out, you know, I never saw D.K. Metcalf there because he wasn't uh, wasn't taken in the first round. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guys who were taking, taken from Mississippi State were, uh, were not there, were not in attendance at the draft. So I really didn't speak to anybody while I was there. Yeah. I was curious why all three of the first-round guys for State were not there. Uh, did you ever catch wind of maybe why they weren't there? It was just personal decisions or something, I guess? You know, number one, you have to be 
invited uh, to be there. Okay. And and that usually goes to guys who are trending up and, and guys who uh you know who they think will will be picked. They're they're not trying to invite people that aren't going to be picked in the second round. You know, you, you have that most years. You had it with Chris Jones in 2016. Isn't that right? I believe it. You did. I believe mm-hmm. that's who it was. On the second day, I talked to him there in Chicago. Uh, so, you know, that, that happens. Uh, in the case of Montez Sweat, you know, you had that report of, uh, of a pre-existing heart condition that, uh, that, that was detected at the combine. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, if, if that played into his decision or not, but he was the guy who was invited and accepted and later changed his mind and, and said that he would watch at home instead. Mm-hmm. So Montez Sweat could have been there, but was not. And, and I don't get, I don't think uh, the others were invited okay. per se. Okay. Okay. So Simmons not invited and Abram uh, not invited as well. It would make yeah. sense on that. And then um, level of surprise for you, for others, media folks, you were around back on Thursday that DK Metcalf didn't come off the board in the first round. What was your level of surprise? Well, you know, I guess I was a little surprised by the time the draft started, not so surprised because it started kind of trending that way. I mean, you know, when, when you saw these last mock drafts come out and, the last commentary on the draft from different people being interviewed on on television leading up to the start of the draft. You, you, you just saw and heard less less buzz about uh, DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the thing that uh, the topic that all of these receivers from Ole Miss kind of pointed to, which tells you that they were hearing this in their conversations with the NFL, was route running. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a topic that a lot of them would, uh, would bring up uh, – you know, uh, uh, unquestioned, and DK was one. You know, DK became an internet sensation after his combine testing. And when you see a guy, you know, of that size running that fast, you know, uh, I think uh, four three three in the forty. You know, and, and as big as he is, uh, in the gosh, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, Matt. Two twenty ish in yeah. that range. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. carrying that carrying that weight. Uh, you know, like I said, he just became an internet sensation, and you could see all of the uh, the clicks and the retweets and and the things of that nature. And um, you know, I, I think people started to look. You know, executives started to look more at the route running. You know, DK told me on Wednesday in Nashville that uh, one of the things he really wanted to show uh, at the combine and at the pro day at Ole Miss was his route running was that, that he could, could make the turns, make the cuts, and explode out of the cuts and and do those things. Man, I don't know how you show that yeah. at, a, at a combine and pro day. I mean, it, it seems to me that's got to be done with, uh, with the bullets flying and everybody around you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and we, we, we would hear uh, Ole Miss players say, well, we ran all these routes in practice. Well, you know what? Practice isn't on film for you like the games are. Yeah. And, uh I just don't know that uh, that you're going to be able to convince a club that's about to invest millions that hey, I did this in practice. I don't know if that's a you know I don't know if that's going to get it done. And uh, you know, just based on the comments like that, I'm, I'm guessing that route running was uh, mm-hmm. 
was a cause for concern and, and probably contri- contributed to Metcalf's slide. Nobody uh, argued about his athleticism. Right. You know, and, and you kept hearing the word free uh, attached to DK Metcalf, and it, it is different when you see a guy uh, of that size that moves the way he does. But, uh, you know, that, so that's just in my mind. I think that, uh, that played into it and the level of surprise. I, I don't know. Matt, I don't study the NFL like some guys do mm-hmm. because I'm usually studying my beat, trying to keep up uh, with the SEC and, and the college game. So that I'm sure there were a lot of uh, NFL guys, NFL types, you know, who were not surprised. But, uh, yeah. you know, just looking at, uh, you know, when you look at these mock drafts and things like this, like, what, it was uh, six weeks ago or something that uh, he was, like, in the top 15 with uh, uh, Mel Kiper. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and so there was a slide, and, uh, you know, at some point, you know, these guys are hearing from clubs, and uh, and then they're making more educated projections based on what they're hearing. Right. Well, and, and Parrish, you know, one theory on that, I think two things could go into it, you know, for those guys at Ole Miss. One is I think the wide receiver position just in general is is starting to be viewed as a little a little more dime a dozen than it used to be. Like they – the, there's still that premium on quarterbacks and pass rushers and offensive tackles, but receivers are starting to move a little bit into that running back realm of, yeah, they're great, they're good, but don't use your top, your first pick on one unless he's a game changer, you know, that sort of thing. And then yeah. the other thing I think is I, I've, I get this sense from watching Luke Getze, his one year away from Green Bay – coaching with Joe Moorhead this past year and now he's back to Green Bay where you've got these route concepts where the you know the way a quarterback is reading a coverage on the fly so are receivers reading a coverage they snap the ball they're flipping coverages on you from man to zone and zone to man while you're running your route and you got to read it and run the routes according to that and think the whole way it's not like in the NFL they're just saying Okay, you run a twenty-yard dig on this play, and that's all you got to remember. And I think that's probably another thing that is hurting a lot of college receivers when they start to be evaluated on film. You get where I'm going? Absolutely. And here, here's the thing, Matt. You know, uh, receivers look great when when they catch these long passes and when they break tackles after the catch, and, and, and they look great with speed. They don't touch the ball every play. Yep. You know, and, and so, so what you're talking about, you know, Diamond doesn't. Yeah, look, you know, and that's why as Ole Miss is losing this an, an extreme amount of talent at wide receiver, and these guys will, you know, uh, Matt Luke would use the word my, my, the three NFL receivers, my three NFL receivers. Well, uh-huh. you know, that's that's going to prove prophetic to at least to the sense that they're all going to get a chance because uh, Demarcus Lodge has signed a free agent contract with Bucks. He's going to get a chance. And I think these guys can play at that level. But the the bottom line is receiver doesn't touch the ball every play. It's hard to be that kind of impact player in the game when you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not a, you know, a running back that might carry it 20 times, 25 times. Right. You know, a quarterback that touches it every snap. You know, a, a defensive tackle that can limit those guys, you know, and, and plays every snap. You know, so it, it's just not the same type of – impact position 
and as far as rebuilding at the college level, now I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. To me, you're going to you can find guys in the South that can run and catch. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find guys that can run and catch. What you got to really have is the guy who can make the pass under pressure, can improvise, can read the defense, can run a little bit, can throw on time, can make those decisions on time. Yeah. You know, those guys are harder to harder to find, and those guys take a team from from good to better to elite. You know, I just you know I think receiver it's it's great, it's a flashy position, but uh, you can find guys, and Ole Miss has guys right now on that team as they rebuild that are going to going to run and catch. Yep. Yep, that's right. I think a really interesting film study might be to compare the kid out of Arizona State that the Patriots went and drafted with the 32nd pick, knowing good and well they needed an outside receiver, versus D.K. Metcalf. You know, to look at their film and say, like, what is the difference? Why would the Patriots go with one or the other? And that might take some time. Parrish, I really appreciate your time on this Monday. Enjoyed the draft coverage and – Glad you're back away from those 600,000 people there in Nashville. A lot of folks there, Matt. It's hard to move around. <laughs> I bet. All right. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Have a good day. You too. That's the understatement of the day. A lot of folks there and hard to move them around. <laughs> you get 600,000 in one place, you ain't moving them anywhere. Enjoyed that. What do you think? Let me know. We'll tell you what you need to do with your Twitter account. Coming up next, right here on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. All right, here we go. Back on the show. I'm Matt. Hey, Roger, how are you today? An hour and a half into the show, and I'm first now saying hello. That's my fault. That's all right. We spoke it offline. Did you good? Did you I'm know? Did you know that Jay Leno came to your old stomping grounds to Tupelo, Mississippi, this past weekend? I did not know that. I uh, didn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. That's the worst Johnny Carson I ever did there. <laughs> Wacky stuff. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. It was because there had they had the big auction, auctioning off the cars from the Tupelo Automobile Museum. Oh my God! He, yeah, he he lives. He's got a good life, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he really does. does. And he, not that he didn't earn it. Hardest working man in show business after Rick James. <laughs> well, and, and let the, me just say too, this is and ter- James Brown left this earth. Yeah, this is terrible of me, but. For not knowing, but one of the cars went for like one point eight million dollars. One of the cars in there did, yeah, sure did. Yeah, pretty. Did he buy? Did, do you know if he bought anything, or did you answer that already? I, I don't know. I'm going to find out the details though, because I'm I'm really curious about that. You uh, know about those? Some I was talking to a guy who's got he's an attorney here in town. And he has several like some old Rolls Royces and things like that, and they often like to use them in these movies, uh-huh. like. Uh, what was that, Downton Abbey and that kind of thing? Okay, yeah. Uh, but but some you know some period piece. He says it's actually cheaper than people think to mm-hmm. get these historical cars. I mean, fifteen twenty thousand dollars, you know, you can own one. Yeah, 
But, I mean, I don't know what that million-dollar one must have been something else. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. People that are car people are going to already know about it. I just know. And there, there's some uh, an ironic connection with Jay Leno, I, sort of, in that the man who this car collection that they had at the Tupelo Automobile Museum belonged to, the, the collection itself of the cars belonged to a man named Frank Spain. And... Frank passed away probably going on 15 years ago, maybe not quite 15 years ago. But Frank Spain built his wealth and a name for himself as an engineer who built a piece of technology that was it, it was just absolutely of utmost importance in the television broadcasting industry. You go back to the early part of the 20th century. I say early part you know, mid-20th century, it, it the technology that he developed became a major, major part of how television stations all over the United States were able to then put up antennas and broadcast their signal over the air to local residents who could pick it up with antennas. I don't know the piece of technology or the, the invention, but he's the one who did it, Frank Spain. And he is the owner of and began and launched... Uh, you know, the uh, local television station right here in Tupelo, WTVA, that was Frank Spain. And so over the years, he was a car collector, and they put the entire collection in that museum for people to see and then got to a point where they're going to auction it off, and a lot of the money's going to charity. And, you know, so it was an NBC affiliate, the TV station that he began, which led him to actually building the equipment that he needed that was then a huge piece of technology for the television industry, and it came right here from Mississippi. He, that was an NBC affiliate that obviously carried those Jay Leno shows all those years, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and then here he is in Tupelo looking to possibly bid on and buy, win and buy one of Frank Spain's vehicles from his car collection. A pretty neat little interesting twist right there, but whole thing is an interesting story. And and I don't know. i got to look it up. But I think this weekend might actually be the – it's coming up sometime here in May where in Tupelo every year they do the blue suede cruise. Have you heard about that, Roger? I know yeah, you I've have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know much about it, but I've heard it. Yeah. Catchy name. And if I'm looking at this right, so it's this weekend, right? Yeah, May thir- Friday, May 3rd through Sunday, May 5th, the Tupelo blue suede cruise. So – up around Tupelo, you'll see classic cars all parked out around the arena and shined up and people driving them around town. It's always a neat thing to see. Always a neat thing to see. Here's a story for you that it, this is not sports related, but two things. All right, It's all about social media. So social media is obviously sports related, but it's just we're all up involved in it. First of all, I saw this story. Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook. Roger, he made a sleep box for his wife. Now, okay. what, now what do you think that might be? Is it kind of like that thing Michael Jackson had, the, uh, hyper, uh, the, hyperbaric, the hyper, hyperbaric chamber? Yeah, yeah easy for I you to say. The, the hyperbolic chamber, but that would be Jake. Uh, <laughs> no, the, hyperbole. Yeah, Hyper Bowl. Um, it's like every year during the Super Bowl, uh, Roger, one of the most Googled terms 
is Superb Owl. <laughs> I'm glad you got there, it. There's a topic that will take you for a good long radio <laughs> program if you do autocorrect, uh, uh, funny, funny autocorrect action. Funny autocorrect. We, but the, if we tell them on the radio. Well, I learned that this past week. Try to type in the word Wetumpka, as in Wetumpka, Alabama, into your iPhone and watch all the things it comes up with. Other than the actual spelling of Wetumpka. Anyway, so a sleep box. And as soon as I see the story, Roger, that's what I thought. I thought that this is a deal where he's built a room for. No. He, it's a little box where a light comes on. He put it on Instagram. It's a little box that a light comes on underneath it and kind of shines out from underneath it a little bit. His wife couldn't sleep. The children uh, usually wake up between 6 and 7. She'd get up all throughout the night checking her phone to see what time it is because she didn't want to oversleep. And he built this box so that she doesn't have to check her phone. It's just the light comes on inside this box when it is time for her to be awake. Yeah. If you don't think the CEO of Facebook has some time on his hands. but but How about this? Siri, set an alarm for 7 a.m. I know. Just, Wait, I mean, my, my gosh. <laughs> built a box. Well, the, the light comes on so she doesn't have to check her phone. The whole thing's dumb. That's Facebook. Here's my Twitter lost, advice. She must have lost her looks there. He want... <laughs> this is my Twitter advice. and or, or not, it's a challenge. I don't know that it's necessarily advice. I, I posted it on Twitter. I did this recently. Turn off your Twitter notifications. Okay? I'm not saying get rid of Twitter. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I'm not going to either. I'm saying turn off Twitter notifications. That is when your phone, particularly an iPhone, but they'll all do it. Anytime someone tweets at you or about you or in response to something you tweeted at and all this kind of stuff, your phone, when notifications are turned on, it can be sitting over there minding its own business. You're concentrating. You're talking to somebody. You're you know, on your computer or whatever, and you hear bloop. And you look, hey, look, I got a Twitter notification. And what do you do? You open up Twitter, and here you go. You're scrolling. And it's a constant interruption. So what I did a few days ago is I turned off Twitter notifications. What I'm trying to do is tweet less but be a little more intentional. I want to be the one that controls when and how I look at Twitter, not my phone. You don't have that Pavlovian response to the ding. Right. You know, that was another topic. Uh, what would be a good feature that we don't have? Like, why can't you tell on your phone? I only want calls from people in my address book. Yeah. How easy would that be? It would be easy. Just to don't get a all call. All these people trying to give me car title loans uh-huh. and worried about my yeah. car warranty and all that kind of stuff. Roger, it ought to be possible. But yeah. my, my challenge for all the listeners is you still have Twitter. You still you control when you go to Twitter and open it up to see what has happened, when you have time. But if you turn your notifications off, it can't interrupt you throughout the day. I want you to try it, and I want you to report back to me how it's going. You can report back to me tomorrow after 24 hours or later in the week. But I'm curious, your experience, if you turn off Twitter notifications, if you decide it's positive or negative, okay, and let me know. I want the results. I'm doing a study. I've got my notifications off. Stick around. We'll wrap it up next.
A couple of responses already. People who've already done this, who they're not abandoning social media at all. It's just they're getting rid of the notifications popping up on their phone just whenever they come in, which interrupts your thoughts. It interrupts your day. And you control it a little better when and how you take in social media if you turn the notifications off. Several people have responded already. I got a direct message from a friend of mine that says that um, he gave up Twitter for Lent, and it was actually refreshing. And he's since come back without notifications and not tweeting, and it's um, not bad that way, he says. Like I said, I, I, I kind of like it sometimes. I, I've hesit- I, I mean, I've thought about giving it up, but it's a great tool to interact with people, get feedback for the radio show and for other stuff we do in media and also information gathering. Maroon Richie texted the show at 885-ESPN. Richie says, definitely a positive. I did this with Facebook and Twitter as well as Snapchat and group messengers on WhatsApp. So he didn't get rid of any of that. He just turned the notifications off, so now he's not interrupted. And he's more in control of when he actually goes and and reads it. Joel texted and said the only time his phone makes a sound is for a text or a phone call. Because then the people that have your number who might need you, family, friends, coworkers, can get it. Here's a text from someone in Jackson that says, please hurry and get this long-winded guy off. (laughs) Well, I know. I know. Look, you only have uh, 16 more minutes. That's all you have. And then you'll have me off your radio and you have someone else on. But, yeah, I mean, I am long-winded. However, it is a talk show. Hey, let me, here's what it's like without, here's what, here's what a talk show is like without someone who talks. How's that? Why don't you just turn it off? No, don't turn it off. No, no. By all means, don't turn it off. Keep listening. Somebody else will be on here shortly. Just 15 more minutes of me and then I'll, I promise I'll stop bothering you by talking on a talk show. The Real Brian says on the text line, Matt, the key point is to just give up social media altogether. It's a waste of time and energy. See, Brian, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think that it is necessarily a waste of time and energy unless you make it that way. See, I mean, the, the whole social media thing is just sitting there. And you know other people like somebody let's say tweets something nice or negative about you well i mean it has no effect unless you decide to let it have an effect and other people can decide whether or not to let it have an effect so i think in and of itself it ain't that bad and it's a great way to communicate you know frankly i have like what do i have 20 5,000 followers on Twitter. Well, most of those don't have my cell phone number. But what if they want to get in touch? What if they had a piece of info? What if they just want to say, hey, good job, I like the show. But I think, like everything else, it ought to be on your time. 
when you have the notifications on your phone turned on, you're you're now on their time. They have the control because it's gonna it's gonna make a noise and grab your attention whenever it wants to. Just try it the other way and let's see what we think. That's all I'm saying. Just just try it out. See what you think. So I have time for you to get in on the uh, Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment is in Madison and in Jackson. They are your Kubota dealer. They've been a Kubota dealer longer than anybody else in the U.S. Kubota, the big orange fleet, tractors, mowers, was driving up the trace, coming home from Vicksburg to Tupelo yesterday, and there was one of those big Kubota tractors parked right there on the side of the trace. It's time to start mowing. <laughs> Pull those big mowers behind the tractors. Anyway, Davinia Madison and Jackson and DaviniaEquipment.com, sponsor of the phone line. So you want to call me, you can. It's 995-1059. 995-1059. Oh, <laughs> now we have clarification. <laughs> I love this on a Monday. Um, from Jackson, it said he was not talking about me. He was talking about Parrish Alford when he said, get the long-winded guy off. Yeah, you know, I liked it. I thought Parrish was really interesting. He was one of a couple of guests today on the Divinity Equipment phone. Parrish covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. And he went to the draft and covered the NFL draft. And when I asked him uh, what was it like up there, he said it's crowded. They announced that 600,000 people attended it in Nashville last week. And what was it, like six million people watched it in some capacity? It was the most watched, most attended NFL draft ever. ESPN is saying that 6.1 million people turned it on. Television, digital, online, your phone, whatever. 600,000 fans went. And the TV, the telecasts themselves, so ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, combined to reach more than 47.5 million television viewers over the three-day event. It's up 5% from last year. And that's after I told you last week, I ain't going to watch it. And then I turned out watching some of it. Got my hand up. Big fat hypocrite sitting right over here. What does this say? Langston. Let me see if I can figure out your tweet, Langston. I don't know if you have all the right words in here. I'm going to do my best. Langston tweeted the show and says, you giving social media in this day and age is about as relevant as a passenger on the Titanic asking where the beach towels are. Passenger, Titanic asking where the beach towels are. You giving social media... I don't get it, Langston. Roger, do you get it? Does that make any sense? Am I what? Am I, or does he just type it wrong? That didn't make any sense, Langston. <laughs> I try again, Langston. Read over it word for word, and you'll see what I'm saying. I think there's, you know, how Twitter does sometimes. It like there's a wrong, it'll correct the wrong word and it messes up the meaning. I don't get it. Sometimes it's really funny. Sometimes it gets you in trouble. So. Yeah. Auto corrections we have known. I saw one one time. It goes, uh, wheel, wheel, wheel. <laughs> here we, here we. It was it was just a real weird thing. <laughs> wheel, wheel, wheel. Mr. 
wheel, wheel, wheel. If it isn't Mr. Autocorrect or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the autocorrect deal. And it just, Instead of well, well, well. Is what it was. Wheel, wheel, wheel. <laughs> Which is kind of creepy. Yeah. Michael uh, Scott on The Office, one of his funnier things one time, is he walked into a room and he goes, well, 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 how the turntables. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. There was nothing how else. Table, instead of how the table turns. <laughs> he's going to say how the turntables, and then he lets you think he's going to say turn, but that obviously wasn't right, so he just didn't say anything else. <laughs> I can identify with him. <laughs> can you really? Yeah. And by the way, you know, the thing that the uh, Spain did was the uh, microwave relay system. He okay. got the, a Memphis station in Tupelo. They didn't want to put the station there, which okay. is pretty cool. We, we use that technology to this day. The the microwave what? He set up some kind of microwave relay system uh-huh. because they, uh, they didn't want to put an actual affiliate in, so they were bringing a, a WMC in from mm-hmm. um, from Memphis, I believe. Okay. So the relay system, therefore, they were able to capture the signal from Memphis and broadcast it on the tower in this area, basically. Yeah. yeah the NBC executives said that, you know, they didn't want to be in too below for his two uh, rule and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But if he could get if he could get a signal in there, he could do it. So, yeah. Okay. He and got one in and he figured out a way to get one in here. And yeah. so and then the next thing you know, he launched a full fledged television station. It's still going. Uh today. Now now today it's not what it used to be. But most there's a lot radio is the radio is the one that is different in that it is as strong and it is what it used to be. But the others aren't frankly. You know, when you look at television and newspaper, when I say they aren't, I mean they're having to, there are a lot of successful ones still, they just are having to really twist and wiggle and turn to make it stay that way and their models have changed a lot. Their their mode of operandum has changed a lot. Yeah, and, they're, they're not the sole uh, arbiter of the information and news you yeah, get. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's it's exactly like, but right. But radio's competing also with other, you know, uh, Sure. Distribution method, streaming. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. So that's what we do. That's right. One thing about, you know, everybody's attention is so fragmented, which goes right into this social media thing we're talking about. It is true. Everyone's attention is so fragmented and it's split off here and five minutes there and on social media and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just everywhere that it does place an importance on anybody who's producing content, whether it's this show or Bo Bounds or. You know anybody? It pro- places a premium on you. Still, you got to be good. That's right. It's like you know in real estate, it's location, location, location. But yeah, digital platforms, it's content, content, content. That's right, all Roger. Day long. And and in the quote unquote good old days, a lot of people could not really be that good. They just had the the vehicle, road a great vehicle. <laughs> but now, if you want to cut through, you better be good or people will move right on past you in a hurry. Good stuff. Good show today. I enjoyed it anyway. Let's see if we can enjoy one tomorrow. Same time, same place. See you then. See you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.